0: Psalm 23 is where we're at today. And this psalm, I've loved this psalm because it really does cut through the fluff and it reaches the core of the inner man. It reaches your heart. And it does its best to just uh, scream into the insides and, and let you know that this psalm is so much more than how you can approach death, but it really is a psalm about how we can live life and that how we can live it best under the good shepherd's care. So uh, this morning we'll read the six verses together. We'll read the psalm, and then we'll tackle a portion of verse number five. So Psalm 23, the Bible says in verse number one, "'The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death,' I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This morning we get to bite off yet another little chunk of this psalm, and we get to examine this portion of Psalm 23, verse 5, thou anointest my head with oil. Uh, let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever met somebody that bugged you? <laughs> somebody just, I think it was Colin. You've met a few, huh? Okay. Um, and, and that's not a trick question. You're thinking like, is that a trick question? You know, I've, I call them spouse. Am I, am I supposed to say that? Um, <clears throat> hopefully you don't. Hopefully you don't. Not a trick question. You know, we, we meet people, we do. We have situations that come into our lives that, uh, that annoy us, that bother us, that, that rub us the wrong way. And sometimes when that happens, when an annoyance comes into our life, it can create a conflict with that person or with that situation. Sometimes even that conflict can be escalated to a point to where there's some hurt that's imparted to you or to them. Based on that conflict, there's a wound that happens based off of it. I'm a person that admittedly, I have a lot of pet peeves, okay? Way too many for one person even. And I am, (laughs) this is my my number one pet peeve. Well, at least top three. I don't know if it's number one. At least top three is when people smack or chomp their food, okay? So that is something that just, then it gets my goat. I can't stand when people chomp or smack Their food. It's so much so, and this is a true story. Okay, so much so that if I'm extra tired or extra irritable, I will annoy myself with my own eating. (laughs) Like I will be eating with my mouth closed, but just the noise internally in my head will annoy myself. So that's how that's how severe this one is for me and I pray for my wife she's she's a gem and she puts up with a lot so we went to a marriage conference with just this last weekend which was awesome by the way it was at hotel monaco a beautiful venue pastor redland did a great job he had some just awesome content for us pastor rousey did a great job spearheading that but he talked in one of his sessions about giving grace to your spouse and uh, my wife is someone, she gives me a lot of grace, and I'm thankful for it, and I tell her if she leaves me, I'm going with her, because she, uh, <laughs> she puts up with my mess all the time. But I can remember, okay, this is a true story, my mother's in the room today, you can ask her if I'm exaggerating or lying, I'm not. I can remember uh, a situation, I'm probably ninth grade, uh, my youngest brother, I have four brothers, two older, two younger. So my youngest brother's probably fifth grade, his name's Brandon. We're sitting in the basement watching some sort of sports show on TV, and I'm kind of in the back of the room on a couch, and he's sitting right in front of the TV on the floor. And he is eating, but he's eating, you know, like a horse. He's just chomping and smacking. And with all the graciousness that a ninth grade brother can give to a fifth grade younger brother, I said to him, Brandon, shut up. Stop, stop chomping. And with all the grace that a fifth grader can give back to his older brother, he turned around and he looked at me right in my eyes and said, <laughs> and just smacked right at me like you haven't even begun to hear smacking and chomping like I'm going to, I'm going to give this to you. And this annoyance suddenly began, began to become a conflict between he and I. And so much so that I'm sitting there and there's a coffee table in front of me and there is a magnet on the coffee table. It's a strange magnet that my dad actually used on his back. It's about yay big and almost like a refrigerator magnet. It's a little bit flexible, although it's a magnet. This was that way. It had a little bit of bend to it, probably five times as thick as a refrigerator magnet. And uh, it's sitting there and, you know, the thought just came from the Lord, you know, pick that up and throw it at him. You know, chuck that magnet It didn't come from the Lord. I know. It came from inside my own wicked heart. But it said, throw that at his head. That would be a great idea. So I, you know what I did. I did not resist the urge. I picked up the magnet and I threw it. And sure enough, if there's a magnet throwing contest, I'm going to win because I nailed him right in the back of his head. I mean, it it was a direct hit. And so he kind of falls forward and puts his hand on his head and begins to moan and cry a little bit. And so there's my other brother and some others are there, and we're beginning to tell him, you know, shut up, you baby, and stuff like that. And uh, there was a lot of love in our There really was. This, this is an anomaly, okay? This is, a, this is an anomaly. My mom did a good job. She did. So we begin to tell him, be quiet. And he kind of lifts his head up, and to my dismay, there's blood all over the back of his head, the front of his head now. He is... I've wounded him, literally. You know, okay, I've, I've hurt him. And my, of course, it all changed at that point. It was no longer like, shut up, you baby. It was like, oh, man, I'm going to be in trouble. This is not, <laughs> this is not good. So my dad, that was one of the more angrier times I've seen my dad with me. Thankfully, Brandon needed to go get stitches because it allowed my dad to cool down a little bit, and, and I got a little bit of rest from that. But uh, he went and got stitches, and, and it was all good. But it was a situation in our home that... An annoyance, a frustration, little, became this conflict that became this wound and this hurt and became a problem. Now Psalm 23.5 is giving us a solution really for the irritants that come into our life, the conflicts that come into our life, even the wounds that come into our life when the Bible says, thou anointest my head with oil. In ancient Israel, a shepherd would use oil primarily for three purposes. He would use oil to repel insects, to prevent conflicts, and to heal wounds. That's what a shepherd would use oil for with his flock, to repel the insects, to prevent the conflicts, and to heal the wounds. And this morning, those are the three things that I want to talk to you about based off of thou anointest my head with oil. These thoughts of what is oil used for and what does that mean to us as we are sheepish what does that mean to our lives that the good shepherd would anoint our heads with oil? So the first one is this, it repels insects. If you've been here at all and, and you've studied kind of the rhythm and the cadence to this psalm, the shepherd is taking us through the seasons inside of a sheep's life and they've gone in the summertime into the tablelands to begin to graze and Thou prepare us table before me. But that turns into summer and summertime for a flock is insect time for a flock. There are swarms of mosquitoes and gnats and flies and bugs that in the summer months begin to come to into a sheep's life. If you've kept livestock or had livestock at all, you know this is true, that during the summer months, it can be a time of extreme frustration and irritation for livestock because of, of the insects that come to them especially flies. There's all kinds of flies that, that want to nibble on sheep. And there's warble flies and deer flies and black flies and horse flies and nasal flies, and there's lots of them that become this source of irritation. And the sheep will, they'll do their best to get rid of these insects. They'll do several things. They will shake their head up and down and kind of snort profusely to get them off of their head. If you've ever been around a horse's, you've probably seen a horse do this where it just kind of shakes up and down and snorts loudly. Uh, Sheep will they'll go hide in a bush and they'll refuse to eat all day and they'll just kind of try to hide in the shade to escape these insects. At times they will run around and they'll run from them and run from them and run from them and run from them until they get so exhausted that they just they fall down and they can't run any longer from the insects, and they will, if you've ever tried to get a pesky fly away from you, you know this is like, shoe fly don't bother me, that you you shoot away, and then it comes back, and then you shoot away, and then it comes back, and over and over and over again. This is the life of, of a sheep during the summertime. And if they're unable to fend off the insects, especially the nasal flies, these prevent, or they pose a certain problem to the sheep, that nasal flies love to land on the nose of the sheep, therefore called nasal flies. They love to land on the soft kind of wet moist mucus membrane and literally deposit their eggs there. I know it's gross and it actually gets grosser because they those eggs will hatch and these little worm-like larvae will crawl up into the cavity of the sheep's skull and they will begin to infest there and to inflame the sheep's head and pose literally a life-threatening problem to them. This can now start to cause blindness inside of a sheep and a sheep will do Anything it can, if nasal flies come into its nasal cavity, they'll do anything they can to get rid of that. As it's it's inflamed, they will rub their head in the dirt and in the ground to try to get rid of this irritation. They will, at times, they'll rub against a tree or a rock. They will even sometimes beat their head against a tree or a rock. Sometimes it will be so severe that a sheep will commit suicide trying to get rid of this annoyance inside of their head just by beating their head against some some sort of rock or tree. And only the, the attention of the shepherd will forestall these irritations inside of the flock. It's only on behalf of the shepherd that he will look at the sheep, he will see that summertime is coming, that the insects are coming, and he will take the sheep and he will anoint their heads with oil. And the purpose of this, it's a homemade remedy of, of olive oil mixed with some sort of sulfur and spices. And, and the Bible in Leviticus gives us a different concoctions that they would make with oil, that there's this oil base that they would use to anoint the sanctuary and the priest, or this that they would use to treat leprosy. And a shepherd would have his own mix, his homemade remedy, that he would anoint the head with oil to prevent the, the insects from being on the head and causing intense irritation to that sheep. And once that oil is applied, the irritation and the aggravation and the annoyance of those insects begin to subside, and that sheep begins to find rest and repose and a calmness, even in the summer months with those insects around. If we are sheepish, if we are sheep and he is a shepherd, and we are and he is, this begs the question of us for our own lives as sheep, as the flock. Are my frustrations, annoyances, irritants being subdued? Are my, as a, as a sheep, are my frustrations, my annoyances, my irritants, are they being subdued? Think about this for just a moment. In your Christian walk, lion sized attacks are not the norm. You'll have a few of those in your Christian walk, but you will not have a day-to-day lion size attack where the devil himself is trying to get after you. Most of your frustrations, most of your struggles, most of your battles on a day-to-day basis in your Christian walk are going to be swarms of little annoyances. It will be death by a thousand pinpricks. Your, your Our real struggle on a day-to-day basis normally is these little items that come into our life that, that bug us and affect us and rub us the wrong way and they begin to accumulate and compound and add up on us and all of a sudden when i'm not being invited to the dinner party or our youngsters i'm i'm not making the team or i'm not getting the scholarship or my boss isn't appreciating my work or, or my husband doesn't notice my new hairdo hairdo or my, my new dress or my neighbor they don't notice the mess in their yard everyone else has clean yards how could they not notice the mess in their yard this 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 bugs the fire out of me. All of a sudden it starts to compound and add up on us and we find ourselves more and more irritable and cranky and frustrated and, and even angry and life can become this long frustrated tirade where I'm just breathing out what bothers me all the time. What's frustrating me all the time? These little annoyances that are coming into my life. So what's the solution for this? What's the solution for the aggravation that is going to come our way this week? Do we run from it? Do we try to get as far as we can from it, out of sight, out of mind? Just, I just—I gotta get out of the house. Gotta get away from. Gotta get away from him or her. Gotta get away from the kids. I'm just—I'm uh, gonna go fishing. I'm gonna go have time with with the girls or with the guys. I'm gonna go shopping. I just need a break from it all. Is the solution to run from it? Is the solution to uh, tackle it head on? I'm gonna squash that irritant. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to take care of that. We all know that even if you could squash that insect, if you could get it away from you, another one's right behind it. That you're going to have to squash all over again, and then another one, and then another one, and then another one. What's the solution for us to find repose in our day-to-day living? The solution I would submit to you, based on Psalm 23:5, when I can't, like a sheep, I can't eat well, I can't sleep well, I'm frustrated. The solution is for our head to be anointed with oil. Not literally the oil is going to be applied to you. I don't have a bottle in the back for you this morning. But spiritually speaking, to go to the good shepherd and say, Good shepherd, I need for you to do what I cannot do for myself. I have snorted. I have shaken my head as hard as I can. I have run. I have even beaten my head against a tree, it seems like. I've done everything I can to get rid of this that that bothers me, that annoys me, that nags at me. I've done everything I can to get rid of it, but I can't do it. I need your help. I need you to anoint my head with oil. I need you to give me a rest and a calmness and a peace internally that I cannot give myself. This is why a Christian can and should be able to go through deep, dark trials with a rest that baffles other people. That the world looks at and says, how can they go through that cancer struggle? How can they go through that financial turmoil and still not have their life completely turned upside down? They're just, there's, there's this relaxation inside of them. There's this, this repose inside of them. How do they do that? The answer to how we do that is we go to the Good Shepherd and we say, Good Shepherd, anoint my head with oil today. Give me what I need today. Give me the relaxation that my soul longs for today. I need your help. But it doesn't just give this this rest from from the insects. It also prevents conflicts. Fall time rolls around for the sheep, and sheep by and large, they are pretty docile Uh, Tame animals. There's not a lot of conflict. There's not a lot of fighting that they do by and large. But fall time rolls around, and something happens. Uh, Flip switches, and rut begins inside of the flock. Mating season happens, and now all of a sudden the rams want to put ram and rambunctious. They want to go around and start to fight over the ewes, over the over the female sheep. They want to lock horns. They want to butt heads. They want to, if you've ever uh, seen some sort of video or maybe you've, you've had a couple rams together, that during that season they will run full steam ahead straight at each other and pow, just, you know, they'll lower the, lower the neck and just lock horns with each other. They'll, they'll ram each other. I don't know why Dodge has the ram. That's ironic to me that they, either you're dodging or you're ramming. You're one or the other. I don't know how they go hand in hand. But rams do that. They ram stuff. They ram each other. There's conflict that arises inside of the flock. And the shepherd will take those rams and he will apply in ancient Israel oil to their horns. Nowadays, it'd be almost like a Vaseline sort of substance so that when the conflict happens, those rams glance off of each other. You don't avoid all of the damage. You don't avoid any hurt happening, but you really subdue it. You take away 90% of the damage that can happen because you have now lubricated, you have applied oil to the head of this ram so that this conflict can be prevented. This too begs a big question of us in our own lives. If we're a sheep and he is anointing our head with oil and and this should happen, uh, that conflict should be prevented, then a question for us to ask ourselves is this, are my differences being downplayed? As I operate inside of a church body, inside of a flock, as I operate inside of a family, we understand that personality conflicts are bound to happen. There's going to be tensions that arise. There's going to be arguments that happen. And many times we lock horns with each other as individuals, as people. And it's amazing how hard-headed we can be with each other. It's amazing how that we can wound each other. And oftentimes, people's deepest hurts and their deepest unforgivenesses are attached to being battered by somebody else. That there was this conflict, and they were rough with me, and they rammed me. And this is why, if you've been around church at any length of time, you've met people that have said, I'm never going back to church. Why do they say that normally? Because somebody battered them. Somebody treated them in a way that was less than respectful and rammed them and created a conflict and caused some damage and some hurt inside of their life. Now, obviously, this should not be. Jesus told his disciples in John 13, here's how people are going to know. You're my disciples. You have loved one toward another. Jesus said that. We learn in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, that if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That's our job as Christians. We should love. We should live peaceably. But when you're anointed with oil, the Lord, what he does is he helps you to see how ridiculous those petty annoyances and grievances are that you would love to turn into a conflict, that you'd love to fight out, that you would love to lock horns with somebody over. He helps you to see that that's that's petty. That's little, that's something that should be pushed to the side, it should be subdued. And ask yourself this deep question, are my differences being, being downplayed? This is the only way that church unity is accomplished. Some have sought to accomplish unity by uniformity, and they've said that those were synonymous, but they're not. If you've been around any organization or business or church that has sought to create unity by uniformity and saying, thou shalt do this and this, and we're all going to cookie cutter, look the same, act the same, say the same, you know that doesn't work. Well, then how do you have unity? How do you have people that, that get along? Well, you understand church is a fellowship. Church is a family. And part of a family is that I operate on the, on the basis of a relationship. I don't operate on the basis of rules. And with that, I'm going to downplay my differences. I'm going to take something that we disagree on or that you would do it that way, but I would do it this way that really isn't a big deal and really is petty, and I'm going to downplay that in, in an effort out of love and a relationship in unity, that I'm going to downplay that difference. That's why we're all we're all vastly different in here. Even this was this was accentuated maybe even today that uh, we have some that you'll seem a special or you're in choir, and your preference is to is to stand there like a statue and sing. We have others, uh, Rich. Rich's preference, if you've heard Rich sing, he's taking a tour of the platform, man. He's going all around. He's, that's Rich when he's singing. Now, others maybe want to stand here and raise a hand. What, 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 what should we do? Let's, let's make a rule for that. You can raise your hand this hand or that high or no hand How, how do you do that? You downplay the differences. You understand that's, that's, that's petty. That's no big deal. That's not something that there should be a conflict over. So how do you get to the point where you understand what the difference is. Is this a big deal or is this not a big deal? Is this petty or or is this something that there should be a conflict over? You go to the Lord. You say, Lord, help me. Spirit, guide me. Anoint my head with oil. Give me what I need and help me to avoid conflicts at all costs. Some of you, honestly, I worry about. Your, Your work your work life or maybe even your family history and your background is so intense and is so aggressive that you, you, you spend life creating conflict and you don't even realize it. You don't, you don't even understand that, that you're creating a conflict, that, that your work is so intense that you walk in the door and you carry that with you. And you don't even get that the way you're talking to your wife is way less than respectful and that it's unloving and that it's creating some conflict there. You, you don't even understand that, that the way you're responding to your children or to someone else's children is creating a conflict. How do, you, how do you remedy that? How do you change yourself from the inside out? How do you see yourself for who you really are? How do you know what's a big deal and what's not a big deal? I tell you the solution for that is your own personal walk with the Lord that you go to him and say, Lord, help anoint my head with oil, help me to, I, I don't want to bulldoze my way through life where everyone in my orbit is trying to avoid me because I'm constantly conflict, conflict, conflict. Lord, help me. Give me peace. Give me joy. Give me long-suffering. Anoint my head with oil and, and help me from doing further damage. And when David says, thou anointest my head with oil, is he saying that we should be free from little irritations and live in a state of repose? Yes. Yes but he's also saying that there should be some differences that are downplayed and conflict is avoided and glance off of each other because we're anointed with oil. Lastly, I would say this, that oil heals wounds in the life of the flock. Most of the wounds that the shepherd treats, sometimes it's from conflict with each other. Most of it is just from living life. Those sheep walk through the pasture and they get too close to that bush that that snags them or that tears them a little bit. They rub their head against a rock and they rub it a little too hard and now there's there's a gash or there's a wound inside of the head. Most most of it's just sheep get hurt. They just do. It's part of life. It's part of the pasture that there's there's problems and there's hurts that arise. And the shepherd daily often will go to those sheep and he'll inspect them and he'll look for wounds. And when he sees that, he will anoint the wound with oil. Why? Because he doesn't want today's wound to become tomorrow's infection. He doesn't want it to worsen. He wants to treat it right away and to give help for it right away, which begs the question once again of us, are my, as a sheep, are my hurts being cared for? My pain, my, my trials, my hurts that are in my life right now, are they being cared for? you live long enough, then you discover very quickly, life is tough. It's not always fair. My, that was in in our home growing up, if you ever said, that's not fair, I can guarantee you my mom knows what she would say back to you. She'd say these words, life's not fair. And that's not because she's jaded, it's because she's honest. And she's trying to teach us, this is the way life is sometimes. It doesn't always break in your favor. It doesn't always, it's, it's, I think of some of the hands that some of you have been dealt. I step back and think, man, I, I, I don't know how you have the grace to go through that, that financial difficulty after financial difficulty or health after health after health. That, that happens. Hurts come. Injustices come. That's, that's life. How do you deal with that? How do you cope with that? How do you find some sort of solution or, or remedy for that wound you You go to the good shepherd and you say, with my my aging, with my illness, with my loss, with this injustice, Lord, I need your help. I understand I'm a sheep. I understand that I'm wounded. And you are the shepherd and I need you to treat me. I need you to give me the help that only you can give. I'm going to you. And, And sheep are not the only animals that need preventative care. Sheep are not the only animals that need a preventative touch. We too need that. We understand we get irritated. We understand conflicts arise. We understand that that hurt comes, and our solution is to go to him. And if you will, he will tend to you, and he'll care for you. He will help you. So the question for us today, where the rubber really meets the road, is this. How do I get my head anointed with oil? That sounds fantastic, that I could go through life without being frustrated with everybody all the time. That I could go to have a conflict and man, it glances off and it, it doesn't become a big deal. That I could have these hurts that are present right now today and, and I could have a remedy for that. That sounds fantastic. He anoints our head with oil. How do I get that? How do I do that? How do I get my head anointed with oil? Let I me mean, give you three words and I hope that these three words stick in your brain throughout the next seven days as you go through life. Here they are. Go, bow, Trust. The first word is the most important, because you have to go to him. What we do is we love to go to other people. We love to take our frustrations and our irritations and our annoyances and go to him or her, because after all, they get us. They understand us. They'll, they'll side with me. And I'm for you having open lines of communication in your marriage or in your relationships or in your friendships. I am, but... If you're seeking that person as a solution to, that, to those frustrations or that they're somehow going to heal you inside, if you're putting that on your spouse, expecting them to do for you what they cannot do for you and what only God can do for you, that's a problem. You have to go to him. Other people can point you to God. Other people can help you understand God. Hopefully, I can do that on a weekly basis here, but I can't be God for you. They can't be God for you. You have to go to him and you have to trust him and say, Lord, I need you to do for me what only you can do. I need you to be God. And I need you to work in my life. And I need you to give me the help that I need. This is what James 5 tells us. Is anyone afflicted? Let him pray. That's simple. Look, you got a problem. You got an affliction. You got something that you need taken care of. Pray. Go to God. Turn to him and say, Lord, I need your help. And this has to be on a regular, reoccurring basis. Sheep are animals that the shepherd will anoint their head with oil, but putting oil on the sheep at the beginning of the summer doesn't last all summer. The shepherd has to apply that oil over and over and over and over again to give them the rest that they need. And you have to regularly run to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help. This week, it would be a huge decision that if this week for the next seven days, as those frustrations and those problems and those conflicts arise in your day-to-day living, if you would just make this decision, when they come, I'm taking them to God first. I'm going to Him. I'm asking Him for help. I'm seeking His hand. I'm seeking His healing first. After that, yes, maybe I'll express it to my spouse. Yes, maybe I'll talk about it with a coworker. But first and foremost, I'm going to God. I'm going to him. That would be a, a huge step for you. When you do that, you will find relief in the anointing oil that only he can bring. He wants to do that for you if you'll let him. And I, I fear that some of you may think he doesn't want to. I mean, he's God, isn't he? He's, he's dealing with, with pestilence and wars and <laughs> natural disasters. I'm just little bitty old me. How is he going to help me? He doesn't really care about my little frustrations, does he? Yes, he does. What what does Peter tell us? Casting all our care upon him because he cares for you. He wants to, to shoulder that for you. He wants to help you with that. He wants to anoint your head with oil, but you have to go to him. Secondly, bow. Understand that it's not just going to the right person, but you have to assume the right position. You have to go with a heart of humility saying, Lord, I understand, I am the sheep, I have the needs, you are the shepherd, you have the remedy, and only you can do this for me. This is why when we pray, we oftentimes we bow our head and we close our eyes. Why? We're trying to assume a position of humility. This is actually what 1 Peter 5 tells us, right before casting all your care upon him before he careth for you. The verse before that is, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Peter understood that heart of humility is imperative to us that when we go to God, we make requests, we don't make demands. We come with high hopes and a humble heart saying, Lord, here's my peti- petition, but I trust in your will. You know what's best. I know that you are God, and I trust you through this. And if God ends up giving you a prison in Rome instead of a mission field in Spain, as he did with Paul, you trust him with that. And you understand that I bow in humility, and I trust in you. It's, it's this heart of humility. I go, I bow, but then I trust. You know what's interesting to me about this analogy, this picture that David paints with the sheep and, and the shepherd is that the sheep, they don't get the oil. They get it in the sense of it's applied to them, but they don't understand it. A sheep doesn't really understand how exactly it is that this oil is repelling flies off of me. Yesterday, I was bothered to death. Today, I'm at peace. I don't get this. The sheep doesn't understand when they want to cause conflict and they run full speed at each other and all of a sudden they glance off of each other instead of creating this huge crash. The sheep is dumbfounded by that. They kind of look down and look at each other like, what just happened? Sheep do not fully comprehend what all the oil brings about and neither do We. I wish that I could explain to you in in grave detail exactly how the oil being applied to you is going to work and here's the 10-step process, but I can't. All I can tell you is that you need to go and bow and trust and that it does work. All I can tell you is that when you go to him in a heart of humility and say, Lord, you help me with my problem, I'm not sure how he does that. I don't know how he begins to work from the inside out. I don't know how he begins to change those frustrations and those desires and to give peace. I really don't. That's why Paul could say there's a peace that passes all understanding. Like, we don't get it. All we know is that we do get it. We receive it. When we go to him, that we trust in him. This is what the psalmist says over and over again. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He does it, and we trust in him for it. Psalm 25, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O God, I trust in thee. That we understand as we go that we won't fully be able to grasp it all, but we know it's there. We know the anointing happens. We know that the remedy is applied and that those, those wounds begin to dissipate. Those conflicts begin to subside. Those irritations begin to, man, why isn't that bothering me anymore? The solution to all of that is what David tells us in Psalm 23, 5. Thou anointest my head with oil. But you have to as a sheep. You can't buck that. You, you can't go and fight the oil all day long. You have to go. You have to bow. And you have to trust. And it's then, it's then that he can apply that to your head, to your life And then that repose can truly take root in your heart.